This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger, and today, well, today I am absolutely delighted to welcome Michelle Harrison to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Many of you are undoubtedly tuning in today because of Michelle's stunning work as Nora Allen on CW's hit superhero show, The Flash. In a lot of ways, there would be no The Flash without the Nora, and not just because Nora is Barry's mom. Nora's unfair and untimely death is the event that sets everything in motion that literally leads to Barry becoming The Flash. It's a big responsibility to be Nora Allen, and I imagine it's a fun role for an actor because we see Nora in multiple timelines as the embodiment of the speed force itself and as the ultimate representation of motherhood, love, and sacrifice. But Nora is only one role on Michelle's lengthy filmography. This wildly talented woman clearly contains multitudes, as evidenced by the wide array of genres represented in her list of credits. From inventive sci-fi like Continuum and The Magicians and Eureka, to crime procedurals like Take Two, to family dramas like When Calls a Heart, to seasonal fare like The Christmas House and The Christmas House 2, Deck Those Halls, to thrilling works that defy genre, like Zach Lepofsky and Adam B. Stein's critically acclaimed feature, Freaks. Soon, she'll be seen acting opposite her Flash colleague, Jesse L. Martin, in reuniting the highly anticipated feature film directorial debut from Laura Adkin. So today, we'll get to know the wildly talented woman behind Nora Allen and explore all of the various timelines to figure out how she got from there to here. Michelle Harrison, what welcome up? to the Why Bear Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you for that lovely introduction. All wow, true. I'm just standing with my mouth agape watching you. You are. You are. You can close your, close your mouth. It's fine. Okay, it's fine. Mouth is closing. We're meeting. This is our first time meeting today. I know. I stumbled in, hugged you, and then I feel like we've been friends forever now. I do. I, f I feel that yeah. way too. But this is a true, like, this is a true get to know you podcast. It so is. let's, let's dig in. How, so I'm cracking my knuckles. Hello. Bring in the questions. How do you describe yourself? Oh, wow. Um, an intro extrovert. I love to be home. 
Mm. Um, I, I, I'm a later years extra introvert. Like I, I always thought I was an extrovert for a long time. And I yeah. think I, I was this person who was out in the world and doing all these things. And then I think maybe five years ago, mm-hmm. right before COVID, I was like, I really like to be alone. I really, I started really listening to what I wanted and what I needed. Hmm. And I realized that I'm actually much more of an introvert than I thought I was. Well, maybe, maybe um, you're changing too, maybe right? Changing, we get yeah. to we get to change. We don't get to we don't have to stay the same. That's interesting. Yeah, we get to know ourselves better. I think, yeah, as we get older. So you're you like your own company? I do. Yeah. So yeah. what are some of the things that you do when you are hanging out with you? Um, I love to listen to podcasts. I love oh. to listen to audiobooks. Um, I love to run in the forest. Hmm. Um, I don't have a lot of like extra free time in that I have, you know, young child and I'm homeschooling and I'm working. And so I've got a lot going on in my life, but I just, yeah, I like to be home and I like to be alone and I like to be with my thoughts and yeah. How does acting and performing fit with you being an, an intro extrovert, extra introvert? Extra, yeah, I think you can swap either. I think so. You know, something that though uh, requires you to be around other people and to be putting energy out there, you know, how does that, how does that fit in with, you know, all of this, this enjoyment that you take in, in also, you know, spending time with yourself? I think it's just a different hat that you put on. I think because where I live is a very, I live on this little island and it's very quiet and it's very peaceful and, you know, our house sort of looks at the sea. So I have this sort of quiet life. So then when I go into work, I put on my city hat, go on the ferry. Mm. Um, My brain is sort of prepped for work. So it's just like a different piece of myself, I think, that I put out there. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm learning so much already. You get a lot of energy from people too. Like I think you can't, for me, I can't only be home and only be, Yeah. I mean, that's not my life. I'm busy and doing things, but I think we all need different parts of energy from all those different places. And without work, I wouldn't be the person that I am at home. And without my home, I wouldn't be the person I am at work. Mm. So I think it's a combination of all those things. Yeah. Okay. And I do draw a lot from from being at work and being around people and the energy and sort of like that jumping off a cliff feeling when you're at work that you just, you're jumping in, you're doing it and you're listening and you're reacting. and Yeah. yeah. And, then you go, and then you go back to the island. Then you go back to the island, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're going to go back in time. Okay. I'm talking to a woman who knows a little bit about the time travel. Like, how do we get here? Paint a picture for me of who you were as a child. You know, like, what kind of a kid were you? What did you like to watch on TV and like to do? Like, what hints were present in your childhood that you would wind up in this acting life? So my mom would describe, my mom is quite shy and she would describe me as like the child that brought her out, that I was, I was always making friends with kids and I was always leading the groups in the library story time. Hmm. And I have like vague memories of that. And she would say that, and I was, I just, I loved people and I loved to be around people and I loved to perform. So I was like singing at church when I was little, I was doing church plays and I was, um, doing all the plays all through school. And when I was in high school, I was doing the plays at high school and then I was going out into the community and doing community theater. I was like, I couldn't get enough of it. I just loved it. I loved being with people and I loved the challenge, but I didn't know anybody who was an actor. Like I didn't grow up with, I grew up in this small town. Nobody I knew was in the business. Hmm. And I had this high school teacher that said to me, you know, Michelle, you could do this for a living if you want. You could be an actor. And so my idea of being an actor was I'm going to do regional theater. I'm going to go to theater school. I'm going to travel the country. I'm going to do regional theater. 
this is the life that I want. Yeah. And then life sort of took lots of turns and I ended up in Vancouver, which is another story. But um, yeah, I, I, the shows I watched as a kid, I loved, here we go. Here we go. Little House on the Prairie, Mm -hmm. every day after school. Um, we watched MASH as a kid. We really? Watched, I think we just watched whatever was on because you had one TV and you watch what's on the TV, right? Well, uh, the one TV, like maybe <laughs> 10 channels. Yeah. 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 What was your first time on set? I was 23. Um, I had just moved to Canada and I auditioned for this show called Dead Man's Gun, which I'm sure you know is old Western TV show. Larry Sugar produced it. Oh my gosh. And I had never been in a movie set before in my life. So I had been to theater school, but I'd never been in a movie set. I'd never taken any film acting classes. Mm -hmm. And I got this guest star on the show. Um, And I showed up and um, I just remember like, I didn't know any of the technicalities of being on a film set. So Mm -hmm. People were very nice and guiding me through and like the acting, I, I think the acting part, probably looking back would be really funny to watch now, but you know, I had a solid idea of what I wanted to do. Okay. And, and if I can find a link to that on the YouTube, <laughs> look for it in the footnotes of this episode. Oh my gosh, please. Uh, C. Thomas Howell was the lead and I was playing his girlfriend and he was lovely, lovely, lovely to work with. But I remember this scene where I have to walk across this, you know, this big open outside space into this pub and the door opens and then I stop at the pub and I see at the and I see Bob Fraser and see Thomas Howell having a fight over me. I know Bob, right? Bob! I know. And um I couldn't hit my mark because I didn't even know what a mark was to hit. And I remember seeing the camera guy kept shaking his head like she's not making her mark. She's not making her mark. And so some very nice man put this sandbag down and said, okay, stand here, hit this mark. And so it was like, it was like a very fast introduction into, okay, now that you're an actor, you have a lot of work to do to learn all the technicalities of what being a film and TV actor is also. Mm. And we didn't learn at that point in time, we didn't learn those things in theater school. I think now a lot of that's pretty common now, 25 years ago. Right. And so a lot of my, a lot of my learning was on set just from those early days of figuring out. How did you feel when you weren't hitting your mark and stuff? Like, was there horrified? Yeah, absolutely horrified. Yeah. Did that? Was there anything in that day that that made you not want to keep going as a television actor? Or you you know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just wondering about you know, um, like often people come on the show, we'll talk about like being on set and then feeling the magic moments, right? And that that'll often maybe happen on that first time that they're on set, you know, but also first time on set, you're, you know, you don't know what's going on. And, you know, so what made you keep going? (laughs) Well, it was that moment of the camera guy, I could see him shaking his head like she's not doing it. And I thought, that's never going to happen again. Mm. I'll never let that happen again. I'll figure out how to do this. And next time this won't happen. Right? Yeah. And so I think those are just all the learning moments that you get. You know, you're, I have so, you know, there's so many, so many actors have stories of forgetting a line and not being able to get it or like not being able, you know, there's, it's because it's, it's such a combination of being calm, your anxiety, being prepared, what's going on around you, the people that you're working with, like so much of it is out of control, out of your own control. So yeah. you have to be in control of this so that this can be present for what's in the moment. Yeah. What was the first role that you had where you actually felt not just that you nailed it, that you that you hit your mark and all of that, but that you were like, 
this this work. I love this work. I love this character. You know, I am where I want to be. Was there was there a role that really did it for you? I think shortly after that experience, because I was working fairly frequently in my earlier like film those earlier days, um, I started to find that. But I I did this show. I remember this show called Saved, and it was this medical drama. Mm. And I I was a, a pregnant woman for the entire episode that was trapped in this building, and they can't get her out and they know that she's going to die and they're trying to save her baby. So I was literally laying down for six days of work, trapped under this beam, pregnant. So all of my scenes were, you know, me lying on this, on this plank. Wow. Um, but it was like something about the stillness of it and not being able to move and just being in the moment. And I remember having, just feeling like really good about the work that I did in that because she's basically saying goodbye to her husband. She's saying goodbye to her baby. She's knowing that she's not going to make it out. Um, and she ultimately at the end of the episode dies. But I remember thinking, okay, you know, I I did all the things I had hoped that, because you, you have an idea of what you want to do and then you have to let it all go because you never know what's going to happen when you show up. But yeah, I remember feeling like, okay, yeah. When, when you when you did that role and when you've done those kinds of roles, you know, and being plus we've had to see Nora Allen go through some, we've had oh to watch it go through some stuff. <laughs> Is there and I've I've actually I've talked to Brian Barkinson about this as well. Um Is it cathartic at all to go to go through that on screen and oh, then yeah. to walk to walk away? Like so t- so tell me tell me about that because for me, I'm not an actor, you know, so I, a lot of what I do on the show is trying to understand like what is going through your head? <laughs> what are you doing? Why are you doing that? What but like I can imagine though, like for me, like especially with theater, I love watching tragedy. I and it feels weird to say, but I love going and watching something just God awful tragic. And then I have that experience and I'm crying and whatever. And then I'm like, okay, it's done. And then I can walk away and leave. And for me as an audience member, you know, it's very cathartic. But I'm I'm just curious, like going through, you had a big smile on your face as you're talking <laughs> about lying there at the beam and you're have to say goodbye to everybody and you're dying, you know. What is that? What does that do for you? Okay, well, you have to start with the moments before because the moments before is all the prep. Like mm. you arrive to set and you know that you have this big day ahead of you. And so for me, there's like this, it's a line between anxiety and excitement, mm. right? It's that line of I'm prepared. I'm in the right emotional space. I've done my work. I know who this character is until the moment when the camera's rolling. And then Nora Allen's a great example because a lot of those scenes where she's in the bedroom, we've shot those scenes seven, eight, nine, ten times. When you see the flashback Nora Allen scenes, those have often been reshot for the episode. They're not just using footage from before. Oh my so gosh. I've had to do that You've scene had to relive it. Eight, nine, ten times, right? So it's weird. It's in it's in my body already. I remember that moment. I've done this moment. I know what it's like to say goodbye to my son. I know what it's I have all those it's all in there, but I still have to sort of in a way, recreate that every single time. Oh. So it's absolutely exhausting and absolutely exhilarating at the same time. Mm. But it's, you have to, you're in this moment until it's finished. It's like, you know, it's like theater, you're in it and then it finishes. You're absolutely exhausted. You feel like a million dollars and then you have to go and do it again. Go and do it again. So it's, it's great. It's, I was going to say, what a, what a gift. I mean, if you're able to go in to do that and to, to give yourself to the moment in that way and get something from it, like that's like a, it's a gift. It is. And you're shedding stuff too at the same time, whatever, you know, you're, yeah. you're working through not your own personal stuff, but you're working through the character stuff. 
Yeah. And it, it's like, you know, think of if you have a big cry with your best friend, how good you feel at the end of the day, right? You feel exhausted and you feel great. I love that. <laughs> Not that acting is that, but there's a sense <laughs> of that in it, right? Yeah, no, that I can, I can absolutely, I just yeah. got back from Paris where Amanda Tapping and I did that all over Paris, seven different bistros crying oh. all over, all over the place, laughing and crying. So I, I absolutely uh, connect with that. Yeah. Um, can we spend a little bit of time talking about Nora Allen? Yeah. Because seeing as we're here, what kind of previous relationship did you have with like comic books or superhero material or, you know, anything from that? I mean, you're sitting here in my space with a lot of stuff from my childhood. <laughs> Clearly, I have a little bit of a relationship with that. What about, what about with you? I mean, this is really embarrassing. I had none at all. Don't so, be embarrassed. It's fine. I get this audition for The Flash. I didn't know what it was. I, they only gave me the scene where pilot episode where she's, you know, he gets into the fight and he comes home and she's talking to him about, you know, don't do this, have, have a good heart, son and yep. all the stuff. Key moment from the whole. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, what a nice scene. It says possible recurring, you know, like every Vancouver we see possible recurring. We think that's never going to happen, but wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. So I book the role and my brother-in-law who is a crazy Flash fan mm -hmm. said, you're Nori freaking Allen. Do you know what that means? And I was like, no, I don't. He's like, you are the superhero's mother. And I was like, I don't understand what you mean. He's like, do you understand? I was like, I actually don't understand. So I still didn't understand. I can feel his frustration in your retelling like, of that. Ah. So I go to, at the, I, I went to set and we're filming. And I think in that moment I realized, oh, okay. There's a lot of money behind the show. There's a lot of amazing people. Actually, I went to the read through and I, I felt that I thought, okay, this is, we're making something here that's gonna be great, right? Yeah. And, but that day was me screaming and crying for 10 hours, walls falling, glass flying, you know, Barry screaming, John Wesley ship screaming. Yeah. Um, and so then you shoot the pilot and then you don't, you forget about it until the pilot, you know, I get a call and they say, we want you to come back. And then I think this slowly started to unfold about how, what the show was going to be. Yeah. Over now nine seasons. Um, it's like the gift amazing. that just keeps on giving. Right? Yeah. So what has this role meant to you? You know, and how has this role on the show changed you at all? Well, it's so interesting to do a show for that long because, yeah. well, first of all, I have had the same costume from the pilot episode. I still wear it now in season. I wore it in season eight. So I've had literally like when I play Nora Allen, old version of Nora Allen, I have the same costume because they just want to keep that memory. Wow. Right. So that's got to that be really piece. rare. Like that yeah. even, even like a, like who else I'm trying to think like, you know, even looking at my cabinet filled with, you know, <laughs> people from that, you know, from Star Trek, the next generation on for seven seasons. Yeah. They at least got new costumes and stuff. Well, because kind of she's... A joke. I'm like, no, not the pink sweater. <laughs> pink sweater. <laughs> but because you exist in that moment yeah. in time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you sometimes wish like maybe we could do a version of Speed Force where <laughs> Well, when Speed Force came along, I was like, thank well, there's a version where she's still in the costume because she's yeah. like, but season seven I finally got to wear some fun costumes. Yeah. And, you know, now I have wigs and all sorts of other things. But um very happy for you. Yeah. And and Nora's like, it, it's an easy hat to put on because I understand the mother-son relationship. Mm. And I understand, like, I can imagine loss and tragedy. And so all those things are... Yeah. And it's been, you know, fun with Grant to sort of go through all those things over different, you know, different storylines. Yeah. Um, 
but it's just it's fun to be on a show where they give you a lot of stuff to do and where you get to play different characters and where you're seemingly the same person but you look different mm. and that's an interesting challenge to play yeah to play a little bit older um yeah it's been great yeah it's been great what what has been like looking back like what has been some of your like favorite days on set well, I loved season seven when the speed force goes bad. That was like one of yeah. my favorite. I wish that would have lasted longer because. Yeah. You're ready. That was, I was like, that's all I wanted to do was do something not Nora Allen on the show. I wanted yeah. to do something that was a turn that was kind of badass, that was different. Um, I loved the mother-in-law episode when she moves in with them and kind of creating, yeah. <laughs> creates havoc in their life. And it's been really fun to play the Joan character too, because that's mm. just a different... You know, John and I have, I, uh, John and I are, really, are very good friends. John Messerschip and I are very good friends. So yeah. it's always just fun to hang out with him and, you know, create some stuff there. Yeah. Who, who is, who do you like to watch work? You know, like, like beyond, beyond somebody who's a great scene partner, like who do you like to, if you have the chance, like be behind the monitor and like, you know, to be watching people do their, do their thing, you know, who is exciting to well, it's funny because when I'm on the show, I'm usually in my own little bubble. I'm mm. usually in the Allen house with the Allen family or I guess Speed Force. I was able to a little bit more. But if I could just sit behind the monitor, Carlos was so wonderful. Tom Cavanaugh, like improving and adding things to the scenes that were never there. Yeah. Jesse, as you know, Jesse L. Martin just is a force to be reckoned with and he's so I've heard I've heard that about him I mean I've also I've seen him from afar at some like theater things in town yeah. being though growing up a rent head he's you know yeah. yeah and you just give him one scene and he'll just tear it up and make it beautiful and he, has yeah. he ever sang on set lots yeah 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 <laughs> That, that's good. That's good to know. Yeah. You know, so as far as like, I, I got to ask you about because the time travel stuff makes my head like and I love Doctor Who and I love, you know, episodes of even Star Trek where they go back in time. But like the idea, like time travel stuff, when I think about it practically and ethically, it, it gives me a headache, you, you know, both, yeah. And like, especially right now being, you know, Ukrainian and think of like, if I could go back in time and I could like, you know, deal with Putin, like, like you, you think about that and like, but would I and could I? And well, what do you, what do you think about these things? And like, if you had the opportunity to change the past, like, would you? Oh, wow. That's a huge question. Yeah. But it's so central, like, especially for, for Nora and ever, and events around Nora, you know, like, we're, you know, when, did you guys have conversations on set or what kind of conversations did you have on set, you know, within yourself or with others about Barry's choice to go back in time to save and, and then, you know, kill spoilers his mother. I know. I know. Well, that's a, that's a long, that's a whole conversation that one. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, it wouldn't be the flash if you didn't have that, right? So I, what I go to when you ask me that question is I think of like, we're a transracial family. Our youngest son is black. And I think if I could mm. go back in history, what would I change? And I think of like, I think of where we are right now with in society with racism and with, you know, white fragility and white privilege and mm. how people are really looking into that and trying to some do their best mm. at changing the world and I think what would our world have looked like if it was opposite mm -hmm. if it was you know in in the times of enslaved what if the white people were enslaved what if I do a lot of thinking about that like yeah how our history has shaped who we are now and 
how we as a society can do better with that. Yeah, um, it's it's it, it's an interesting journey being, a, you know, being a transracial family and raising I have a black son and a white son and looking at the both of their paths and how, you know, I, I see things that I never saw before. Yeah. Um, being a mother of these two sons and how I can make a mark in the world and how what we can do as a family to do better and to, um, yeah, just to to help change the world. Yeah. Right? That's a big conversation. That's not what you really were asking, but no, that's what but I thought of when you were like, what, you know? Yeah, but it's like, you know, if, if we could go back in time yeah. and do something to foster empathy, you know, and to kind of really bring um, colonialism under mm -hmm. control, you know, capitalism to put it in its place. Mm -hmm. Like these are huge i love that we're talking about this though because of the flash and nora allen like i think that's one of the gifts of genre stuff you know yeah. sci-fi and fantasy you know is that you can actually bring you know those kind of big ideas and conversations into into that space yeah yeah well it's important i think like it's funny. I, I've always been somebody that likes to be liked by people. And oh god, <laughs> oh my god, want to have that conversation? <laughs> people pleasing women. Yes, how that? Oh, that's... I've always been nice, and I've always yeah. been kind, and I've always like swallowed things, and I've always tried to do like the right thing and be and be like not the right thing, but just be kind to people when there's been conflict. Yeah, and I found the last few years that there's been things that I have I can't let go anymore. Like I mm. see things out in society or in the world, or I see things in relation to my son and I stand up and say something. And I'm at this crossroads where I think I may not be liked, but that's okay because I know that this is the right thing. Yeah. And I've had lots of uncomfortable conversations and some people understand and some people don't. Yeah. And, but there's a real growing to that and a real, you know. How empowering that sounds. It is. You know, like this idea that, no, I don't need to be nice or liked. You know, and and that is, and that's okay because it's it doesn't sound like you're being rude or unkind. You know, you're it just sounds like you're pushing back and yeah. and sparking conversations that that matter. But I think that's also called using your privilege. I think so. as well. And you have to, otherwise, you know, why are we here? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huge ask. <laughs> Huge questions. So, time travel. <laughs> time travel. But like, look, hey, that's where the conversation took us. Yeah. What has been your your favorite feedback, you know, to receive or favorite interactions with, you yeah. know, because a sci-fi fan, a superhero fan, it's a very specific, it's diff different than other kinds of fandoms, you know, like yeah. where it can often be a place where people or space um, where people find community where, you know, they might not have found community elsewhere in their lives. I know that's what it was for me yeah. back in the early 90s. You know, yeah. bullied kid found something in in space, <laughs> final frontier, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I do a lot of Comic-Cons is something that I've done over the last... You do? Yeah, and um, I remember when <laughs> my agent now, he's like, do you want to try a comic? I was like, no, no one's going to... No, I don't want to do that. Like, no one's going to want to come see me. And he's like, just trust me. And we started doing them and... Long story short, I've had a great time doing them. It's mm. been really fun. I've yeah. met a lot of amazing people. But I think because of the role of Nora Allen, I get a lot of teenagers who have lost their mother, who have... So I get a lot of neurodivergent children who are kids or, or adults who, you know, just want a place to 
to someone to talk to. So I get a lot of, I, I think I maybe feel in some ways a mother role for people. Mm. Um, just they've said, you know, this show saved my life because I was depressed and I watched the show and there was a mother figure to hang on to, or I lost my own mother or my mother's not around. And so that's huge. It's, it's beautiful. It's, yeah. You know, that seems like a big, beautiful responsibility yeah. as well. Yeah. I've met some really, really amazing, amazing, amazing people. So we will soon be saying goodbye to the flash, right? Am I, yeah. am I correct in that? Yeah. You know, so what, what is after so many seasons, like nine seasons, right? 10 seasons. How many has it been? Yeah, they're nine. Yeah. Nine. nine. Wow. So what, what would you like to say to fans of, the flash and fans of the nora oh thank you for watching and thank you for being part of the show and you know this show would have not have happened and gone on so long if it wasn't for the fans and i think i mean i see that when i see people's faces and they tell me how the show has changed them yeah. and i really do um i don't take that to heart i mean i take that to heart when people say that yeah um for me it's been a huge gift because it's this like never-ending you know, job for me that I just keep getting to show up to and do different things and work with people that I love. Um, and wear that pink sweater. And wear that pink sweater, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, it, I think everything has an ending and it's time and I think people are ready to you yeah. know, kind of do something else. But it's definitely in my in my big career, it's been a really great gift. Yeah, and it'll be a wonderful journey too that people will be able to watch and, you know, watch and experience over and over and over. Yeah. Um and you can you can watch you. <laughs> Here I am. You die. Pink oh, sweater. <laughs> pink sweater. Watch your pink sweater over and over and over. Okay, let's talk about reuniting mm. because there's so much buzz around this project in the Vancouver film and television indie scene. I mean, there's a lot of love for Laura Atkin. There's been a yeah. lot of excitement. I mean, she's been creating short works for a long time, and there's been a lot of excitement around, you know, her feature film directorial yeah. debut. Yeah. Um, why did you want to? How do you? How did you meet Laura? And why did you want to work on this film? Okay, so I've known Laura for like. 20 years she was a student of my husband's my husband's an acting teacher Matthew oh, Harrison. Okay. and so she tells this funny story where she met me and I was wearing some pants that she liked she'll tell it better than I'm telling it and she <laughs> she said I you know I want to meet your wife I love these pants that she's wearing and she told me that she loved my pants and ever since then she's wanted to, we, we wanted to work together and so I've no, and it's like, you know, she was like geeking out apparently. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Your, your appropriate use of the word geeking. And do you remember the pants that she liked? I want to hear I more about these pants. The, I have no idea what she's talking about, but she yeah. has this, this memory in her brain of these pants. She's a fashionista. So she's David Lewis, her, her yes. husband. Husband, yes. they're married now. Wow. Yeah. Yes, well, so if she likes your pants. That speaks very pants. highly of your pants. Yes. And yeah. I remember a couple years ago, she's like, I'm writing this film. I'm writing this part for you. And, you know, people say that and they it doesn't ever happen that often someone says they're writing something and then you know yeah everything changes she brought this film to me she said i've written this film i'd like you to play the lead and it's beautiful like she is such a heartfelt thoughtful director she is putting the time in she's not releasing it until it's ready yeah. she's like so detail oriented about everything um as you know it's this Amazing cast. Yeah. So we, we mentioned uh, yourself, Jesse L. Martin. Yeah. David Lewis David is in Lewis, it. Yeah. Roger Ron Pross. Smith. Roger yeah. Pross. Carmen, Carmen Moore. Moore. What? I know. <laughs> and so all of these people, um, I have known them for 20 plus years. Yeah. 
And so, and we have long-standing relationships. Like Roger Cross and I go way, way back. I lived at his house during pilot seasons. Oh, really? I was at Bronwyn's wedding twenty-something years ago. Bronwyn. We've known David forever. Everybody um, knows everybody. David forever. Yeah. So we we and we <laughs> shot this film on this little island, and we were all living like very closely together, and it was like summer camp. What were some of the joys associated, you know, with working on this film? And maybe like, a, give me a joyful moment you know, from reuniting. Well, there's a scene, I guess, I think I can say this. There's a scene where we all jump in the ocean, in the freezing cold ocean. It's a moment of joy in the film and it was a moment of joy, you know. Have you ever done that before, jumping in the freezing cold ocean? So here's the thing. So I am a, I'm a winter ocean swimmer. I do jump where I live. I go into the ocean in the winter, in the snow. So that wasn't such a big deal for me, but it was cold. Mm-hmm. And some of the boys <laughs> were more worried than the girls. They were they were like, do you want to jump in the ocean? And it was pretty funny. But it was really... We unnamed take, boys, yeah, but there are only three that we mentioned. Some of the unnamed boys, yes. Jesse didn't jump in, no. <laughs> Gives you two more. Oh, it was David. It was David, wasn't it? It David. was... <laughs> I'm going to link to David's previous appearances on this podcast because he is. That's right. So funny. He's so funny. So he's smart. like on the level yeah. of inappropriate, but just manages to pull through. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's his whole career in a nutshell. I love you, David James Lewis. <laughs> we love you, David. <laughs> what role does does joy play in your work in general? I mean, I think it's everything if you, uh, like I said earlier, it's like I prepare as much as I can before I go to work yeah. and then I let it go and I play. So there's so much joy in that, even in the scenes that are highly emotional or hard to do. Um, there's a joy that comes with that, really. Yeah. And there's a joy in the completion of it. And there's a joy in the people that you're working with. And there's a joy in the fact that you get to play this role, Yeah, that you of all the people get to play this role. Um, Do you feel a sense of ownership over characters like Nora, characters that you've played? Do you, do you feel like that's that that is you? Yes and no. I feel a deep connection to them. Like yeah. I feel like they're now part of me and then I carry them. I carry them through my life. I let them go in different moments. Yeah. Um, so I guess ownership. Yeah, I guess I, I could use that word. Yeah. yeah. And protective. Yeah. 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 Now, is season nine finished filming? No, we. Uh, I have an episode in January to do. Yeah, I think that's episode ten, and they're going to thirteen. And they're going to so thirteen. How do you How do you feel going into the you know that final, final block? Do you know how you're gonna? Have you Have you thought about how you're gonna feel and how you're gonna? Because like you, this is a big first for you, right? To yeah. be with the character in the pink yeah. sweater. Yeah. I'm obsessed with the pink sweater now. But you know, for, for so long, you know, like how, how do you feel going into this final block? It's just, it's exciting. It's it's sad, but I think it's just, there's such a long standing relationship now with all of us that I, and everyone knows this is it. So yeah. it's, it's the closing the final chapter and one last go yeah. before we say goodbye to these characters. Yeah. And I'm not even sure what who I'm playing yet in in January. So I love I love open the script and look look at <laughs> whose characters there and then which one which one which sweater which hair yeah. with with all of it. Yeah. Um, let's do a little bit of time travel. Yeah. Um, and I'm imagining you, 23 years old, uh, dead man's gun, 
um, if you could go back in time to that moment that and talk to that woman who doesn't know what a mark is, but she knows that she really is wants to hit it. If you can give yourself, you know, some words of wisdom or advice, oh my gosh. you know, what would you say to that, that young woman there? Love yourself for who you are. Mm. You're just enough. Um, you don't need to be liked. You don't need to prove yourself. Yes. People love you. You are okay. You are enough. That's beautiful. That's what I feel like every 20-year-old girl needs to hear, Absolutely. really. I mean, and it's one of those journeys that you don't, you can't really, I mean, there are 20-year-olds that do get that. Mm. But you can't see those things until you've lived some life and looked back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had a pretty severe eating disorder in my 20s, early <sighs> 20s until my late 20s. I went into a recovery in my late 20s. Wow. And left acting for a year and did that. And I just, like, I think of that girl, like, who was trying to shrink to fit. I would go to costume fittings and they would say, oh, you look so amazing. You know, your body's so amazing. And I would think, really? Is it? Like, I would, it would be so confusing to me. Mm. And now knowing young girls who are struggling through this and trying yeah. to say to them, you know what? This is not important. This is not like, yeah. this is not what you're striving for in your life. You're striving for your soul and goodness in your heart and the people around you and your community. And wow. But all of those things you don't, I think, I think part of the growing is the going through that. Yeah. And the being, you know, being in that and experiencing that. And then you're like, I know I understand that. Yeah. And now I know who I am. And, and um, thank you for sharing that. The 20s oh. are, can be really hard. And I, I think that, like, I know for myself personally, like the 20s, I was, I had been told, like, as a, as you know, in elementary school, like the teen, teens are hard. Your hormones yeah. change, puberty, that's going to be hard. Yeah. No one was really prepared me for just how tumultuous and, and um, just, God, devastating my 20s were going to be. That's when I, you know, ex it, experienced depression for the first time and and you know some really profound loss and things yeah. that ended with PTSD and you know and I so I think hearing from from people you know hearing like honestly if I could go back in time I'd say the same thing you're yeah. stronger than you know yeah. help is available yeah. you know um and uh, everything is is going to be okay you know and I I do know I quite a few women and and young men as well in their 20s who experience eating disorders mm. because often with eating disorders it's not about bodies at all and thinness it's about control and feeling a lack of control mm -hmm. and that's the one thing in your life that you you can control you know mm -hmm. so that is perfectly normal human emotion and there is help available and i'm going to pop a whole bunch of of uh, resources eating disorder resources mental health resources in the footnotes for this episode yes good idea um but you know definitely the thing that i would like to say is um yeah you're you are enough yeah <laughs> and and um you are not alone and there are people who want to talk to you about about all manners of way to help you right now yeah. so thank you yeah I feel, I feel like it's one of those things that a lot of girls and women struggle with. Yeah, in particular, for sure. Oh, yeah. And then our, I don't think our, our industry does a great job with it because we celebrate bodies in the wrong ways. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so. And aging. I, and aging. I you know, know, I have, I like right now, <laughs> right, right, right now, I, you know, I, I was following some conversations this weekend, you know, from, from women who are using a lot of the words like, oh, the war on aging or, you know, the fight, like or oh, the fight against aging, know. you know, and it's like, it's, 
I, it's an honor to, to be alive. Yeah. You know, and it's such a fucked up thing we do in this culture, you know, and in the in this in this industry, you know, especially to, you know, to women, the way we treat women specifically, yeah. you know, that we become less than, yeah. you know, how is that going for you in this industry, <laughs> especially because you've been in it for for a while. Forever? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel like if you're in your 40s and you're still in the film industry, you're not going anywhere like the, the women that I know that have been doing it forever are not going anywhere and I, I do feel like people are standing up and, and talking about it more and yeah. fighting against it and I, th- I think the best way to do that is just to be real and to be yourself and to talk yeah. about your struggles and to talk about the things that you've been through and you don't get to be a 40 something year old woman without some scars mm. and without some stuff and they're interesting and they are that's the yeah, interesting we stuff we want those things <laughs> yeah. right like <laughs> I have no shame or embarrassment about any of that stuff. Like, yeah. That's just my life journey and here I am now and here's what I can offer. And I know there's gonna be young girls right behind me who struggle with that, that I can say, hey, you know what, I've been there. Let me talk to you about that. Yeah. And they'll have their own journey, right? But what do we all need? We all need older women, older mentors. We need to have like, yes. not just friends our own age, friends that are younger than us, friends that are older than us. You know, yeah. So they can fill in the gaps of what we can't see or what we don't know yet. Or yeah, yeah. I I am so grateful to my friends who are especially my friends who are older yeah. than me. You know, and the kind of the sharing, the knowledge sharing. You know that that goes on in our in our group. And they're all. I mean, the, the, for the most part, they've all been on the podcast. They're all in the Aww. they're all in the industry. But I'm I'm just so that community of women. You know, I'm just so so grateful to and that a lot of them have moved into my head thank god you know to have their voices instead of my usual voices hey you want to play favorite things okay you want to play some favorite things yeah um so favorite things not a game i don't know why i called a game but it's really just where i ask you what your favorite thing is of a thing and then you answer not the first thing that comes to your mind but fairly quickly okay. you know it's not like a word association game at Tom O'Pennican in here who treated it like a word association <laughs> game and it's not it's not that it actually has to represent you know who you are and what what how you move through the world so okay. all right and i use a different voice for it oh okay um, okay I'll do my favorite thing voice favorite song to blast when you're alone in your car Your eyes went so big. (laughs) Start over. (laughs) I don't have a favorite song. Isn't that crazy? Here's the thing. Is that when I'm in the car, my kids are in charge of the radio. Yeah, I know what that's like. And my kids are with me a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we've been blasting out to Lyle Lyle Crocodile, rip up the recipe, Shawn Mendes, for like... (laughs) weeks on end so when you ask me that question i go blank because yeah. that's the only song i hear in my head right yeah. now. yeah <laughs> that's very telling uh, question stands question stands okay <laughs> i have well here's a twist on that question all then. right favorite karaoke song to sir with love <gasps> wow yes to sir with love i well one there's I a love few that things. movie yeah, yeah that's a great movie but yeah I, I, I love how you were just so ready with that answer too. <laughs> when was the last time you sang karaoke? A long time. I, I do sing. Um, I'm a, like I'm a singer so and I have a cover band that I sing in. So really? I don't do a lot of karaoke. I just do a lot of singing with them, but yeah. it's been a while since COVID. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, I haven't been to karaoke bar in a long time. Favorite midnight snack? Peanut butter on a spoon. Okay, that's underrated. Right? That's so good. It's my favorite Yeah, thing. It's just a big scoop of peanut butter. Maybe big some chocolate scoop. chips on yeah. the top. Or you could even use a big piece of dark chocolate and just get in there and use that as a spoon. But no, yeah. I am such a fan of that. I know. My husband thinks it's weird. He's like, no, he's like, peanut butter is something that you put on something else so that you eat that something else. I'm Uh -uh. like, no, it's good. It's protein. It's sweet. And it's joy. No. It is. Especially at midnight. Yeah. Yeah. It just tastes different, (laughs) different and better. Okay. A good answer. I like that answer. Okay. Oh, this is kind of a weird question to ask you. Favorite superhero? I mean, I should say the Flash. You right? should, but you don't have to. Uh, the Flash. I'm gonna say the Flash. No, I don't. You're, you're not allowed to say the Flash. <laughs> have you learned any other superheroes? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wonder Woman. Am I allowed to say that? Is that too? You just looked at Wonder Woman in my cabinet, didn't you? No, I <laughs> actually I did not, but now I did. <laughs> She's kind of everywhere. I have like eight of them there, and then just got I mean, this. What, I, what girl doesn't want to be Wonder Woman? That's true. I did have um, underoos, like the Wonder Woman. Does you did? Kid. Yeah, that's awesome. Favorite book from when you were a child? Um, it's not Guess How Much I Love You. It's the book about the mother and son. Um, oh, the Robert Munch book? No, it's the book. Um, I love you forever. Uh, yeah, I know. Can't. I know. Can't. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Cry too. And like, I, I mean. Rocking his mother. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't. I can't. I love it. I mean, it's so beautiful. And so funny because that thing would not have made me emotional before I became a parent. I know. Not that I wasn't capable of love or had loving relationships, but that there's just something in that mother you know parent child relationship that is just and how it changes yeah yeah Yeah. and how like you you know you become a parent and then the tears are just in your skin and then like oh there's my heart just walking around over there or there's my heart recently just giving me attitude (laughs) being mean to me like i have so much compassion for my mom and dad now Yeah, like I want to give them like a trophy or something. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. So was that your favorite book, though, from when you were a kid? I remember it from when I was a kid. And yeah. I obviously read it to my kids now. Yeah, crying um, with snot all I, over you know your what face. I loved as a kid, I love those. Um, is her name Beverly Cleary? Yes, the Ramona Quimby I loved books. Those books. Yeah. 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 Were you a Beezus or were you a Ramona? I was a Ramona. Yeah. Yeah. I was a Beezus. Yeah. I actually I read those from the perspective of the big sister because yeah. <laughs> I had a little <laughs> sister. Um, yeah, those were great, and she. She like she lived in, to be in her hundreds and was like still writing until the. I think it's amazing what what reading can do for kids, it what is. it can unlock. Okay, we're almost at the end of these questions. Okay, but I I feel like I am learning a lot. <laughs> this is an unfair question, but I love it. Favorite scene partner. Whoa! Right. <gasps> <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> look on your face <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite scene partner okay but a, my my most well someone who I love working with is Jesse L. Martin 
because mm. he brings everything that's not on the page into that scene. Yeah. Um. I guess I could say he's my favorite scene partner. Yeah. He's pretty great. I've had some theater scene partners that, you know, when you're doing a show with somebody, it's it's magic. Yeah. You're doing that over and over. When was the last time you were on stage? A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. You're hungry to get back? I am, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get some stuff going right now. So. Ooh, well, keep yeah. us posted. Yeah, I will. Okay, final question of these for my kid. This is the most important one. Okay. And it was my, I forgot to say that at the beginning, but my kid was the one who helped me develop these questions. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. I hope I did her okay. Yikes. Wonder Woman? <sighs> Maybe I should have picked something else. No, no. Wonder Woman's good. Wonder okay. Woman's good. Okay. Um, you're not having a favorite song to blast when you're alone in your car, though. She might question that. But. Yeah, I'm okay. gonna tell her I'll send her one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. <laughs> favorite animal. I'm gonna say a dog. We have a dog, and we have chickens. Okay, tell me about the chickens first. We have the sweetest chickens. They run around our yard. Um, we got them when they were babies. Like little little chicks. chicks. Yeah. Yeah. And How many do you have? We have three right now. We had five, but two of them died. Aww. I know chickens die. They just, that's what they do. Yeah. But they're very friendly. We had a chicken. One of our chickens that died was named Dottie. And she's very social. And she'd come hop up on the windowsill. And we'd feed her through the window with our hands. Oh, my God. And she was like, we should have written a children's book about her. She was amazing. But Still chickens can. are actually really smart and yeah. very sweet and very nice pets if you have the space for them. Dottie. Dottie. I love that. I loved, like, like I love, that's grandma. like, I was going to say, that's like an old timey name. Yeah. You know, like Mildred and Opal and yeah. Doris and <laughs> Dottie, you know, I yeah. can picture her. Okay. And, um, and tell me about your dog. There can be no mention of a dog on this podcast where we don't take a minute. It. We better take it. Yeah, okay. we better Dexter take the minute. Dexter is our old grandpa dog. We've had him since he's little. So he's still a puppy. He's, he's all dogs, even yes. when they're super old, are he's puppies. Still a puppy. Yeah, yes, even though he's limping around. How old is he? He's thirteen. Oh, he's a total puppy. Yeah, yeah, and he's so beloved in our family. Yeah, he's moved to couch status, which you know, if you're not a, if you're not a couch family dog, yeah, he's moved to couch status because he's earned it. Yeah. yeah. Does he have stairs to get up there or he can he go up and down still? Yeah, he doesn't go up the stairs anymore. Yeah. He just stays downstairs. No, I mean stairs on the couch. Oh, no, he still manages to get up. Yeah. 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 Somehow he has enough energy to do that, but not other things. Hey, he's right? earned it. He's a 13-year-old pup. I know. Yeah. He's got the sweetest little soft velvet ears. and yes. Well, I've, I've never even sweet. seen him, but I love him. He's amazing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, I love I love an old dog. Yeah, I do. What do you What do you think that little Michelle that you described at the beginning, you know, who is performing in all the church plays and 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 who was bringing your you said bringing your mother out, yeah. you know, of herself. Like, what do you think that that Michelle would think of the life that you have built for yourself? I think she'd be pretty proud. I think she'd have a big smile on her face. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think it would make her happy to look ahead at her life and think, I can't wait to see who this old lady's going to be. One yeah, day. yeah. And and you as an old lady, then let's let's uh, let's envision. You know, I mean, because we are kind of closing the chapter on on the Flash. You know, what do you want next? I'd like you to do some the theater. theater. Yeah, yeah. I want to do some theater and get back on stage. Um, it's funny, like I when I think about what do I want to do next in my career? What do I, 
it never really works out that way. Mm. Something always just sort of comes along that's unexpected and throws me off course. And then I, I look back 10 years later, I'm like, oh, that was really interesting. Like the flash is a good example. I never yeah. would have planned for that or thought of that. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a, I got a little guy who's got to help grow up and become a good member of society and yeah. love on him. We have a teenager that we have to get through high school and off into the world. And, um, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what the future brings. Yeah, with work. Maybe a better question would be instead of what do you want to do, should be what do you want to feel. More of what I have now, just more um, calm and more love for the world and more advocacy for human rights. Yeah, um, more time for people. More, more. Yeah. I love that. It has <laughs> been an absolute pleasure. Michelle so Harrison. So nice. Thank you so much. Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on social meds? I know uh, you're on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Michelle N as in Nicole. Michelle N. Harrison. Nicole. Yeah. I love that name. Yeah. I was almost Nicole, but I was Michelle now. Really? Mm-hmm. Is that a family name or like where did you know where did your names come from? I think the Beatles song, Michelle. That's where my name came from. I think they wanted it to be Michelle. Michelle Nicole or Nicole Michelle and then Michelle won. The Beatles won. (laughs) Seventh child. Fantastic. Well, you can also find Michelle on season nine of The Flash. Uh, And we'll... uh, we're going to pour one out for Nora and her pink sweater. Thank you so much. Uh, one t- <laughs> a few more times yeah. in the future. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Please like, subscribe, uh, leave us a review if you're so inclined. They help us find even more listeners, and we can keep having conversations like the one uh, that we had today. Find us at yvrscreens.com. Follow us on Twitter for now. Might not be on it for much longer. Uh, and Facebook and Instagram at yvrscreenscene and at Sabrina Arf. And I also recently started a Mastodon account. I don't know how to say it. I think it's like at Sabrina Arf at mass.to I don't know the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is hosted and executive produced by me Sabrina Rani Mera Firminger and it's edited by Simon Firminger special thanks to Mariana Firminger for recording our Patreon ad to Paul Firminger for technical support and to Dane not Firminger for the original music YVR Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, you can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low budget programs or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca.
Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.